Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Chronicles of Mr. I am Mr. Pierre, and today I am joined by Mrs. Carrington. Mrs. Carrington, so glad, so glad that we're able to have this conversation. Yes, no, same. Awesome, awesome. It's always nice to be able to speak with educators and educators who who love what they do because this isn't an easy job, and we know that at this point in time there are a lot of folks who are choosing to dip out. So I appreciate um, appreciate you and the work that you do. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. It means the most. If I could ask just to begin with, like, how long or what brought you, first off, what brought you into the field of education? So I didn't really choose to be an educator. That was not my degree. I went for criminology and forensic psychology. So I completely shifted over. Um, But after I got out of the military, I dug deep into my coaching career. And I kind of thought that I could do both, that I could not only coach and be there for black and brown kids, but I could also teach. I was teaching my girls so much as I was, I trained girls from seventh grade to that just graduated last year. So I taught them so much as just a person, as a coach, I felt like, why not just do it as a whole? Um, let me just dive deep into teaching. Um, and that's what kind of got my foot through the door. Awesome. Awesome. How long has it been since you've been in the field? So I've been teaching this my fifth year of teaching. I started off as like a long-term sub as I got my alternative certification. Um, I did special education. I was not a fan of gen ed. I think just because there's not much in sped, like there's not many of us in special education as teachers. And I thought the behavioral route, if a black kid has a behavior problem, they referred to sped anyway. Mm. So why not just go in and do that? Ooh, you're touching it, Miss Harrington. You're touching it. There are a lot of our kiddos, you're exactly right, that are referred to special education when, in fact, that may not be what they – there may be other reasons why they're doing the things that they're doing or if they're presenting that certain way. So, yeah, I appreciate you and acknowledging and acknowledging that. Um, you, you mentioned how that education wasn't primarily the direct um, – you didn't go to school initially for that, although you got your certification. So what was it that – um, you, you, you touched on it a little bit, but if you could speak on that more of like, you could have been a coach and could have stopped there. <laughs> Why'd you jump? For sure. My kids had such, such terrible teachers. Mm-hmm. My students like that I have now have some amazing teachers and they have some terrible, but my kids that I coach, not only did I coach kids just around the area where I live, but I also coached my sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, who had just some terrible teaching some teachers that would teach her in history, like, okay, yeah, we're going to talk about slavery, but you know, it was a good economy boost that they were picking cotton. And my sister-in-law would be like, look, bro, time out. Like, why do I have this teacher tyranny? Like, no. And it really opened my eyes that like, they need more people that look like us. I didn't have that teacher growing up. I, mom could tell you in middle school I had the worst teachers growing up in elementary when I got stabbed by a student I remember my teacher being like well you know she did say something crazy like my mom would be like what like I didn't have those teachers who sat down and was like hey what's going on like why are you acting out why why are you doing this why are you doing that like it that was never a question it was always go to ISS or you're not smart enough or she needs a different classroom. Um, But growing up, like my dad was a very hard alcoholic, a very hard drug addict. So like school was just not where I wanted to be. 
Mm. Like I wanted to be at home with my dad, but no one, no one ever asked that. I was just dumb. Like that's just what it went to that, that I wasn't smart enough. My brother got into so many fights, skipping school, but I think it was really because of the trauma that we were in at that moment. Um, then just going through my childhood and my dad kind of, you know, sprung one on us and got clean and, uh, found God and became a pastor. And it was the biggest culture shock hmm. of my life. Like I, the, my whole world switched. Like it was no longer worldly music. It was no longer like going out with friends or doing whatever I wanted. It was very like sheltered, like we're being watched. And we wow. moved from the hood to a very, very predominantly white area where my dad was the pastor of all the people I went to school with. And if I got in trouble, the principal called the pastor of the city. Like it was so different. And I didn't find that teacher who like really saved me, I guess, until it was right. kind of too late. I had my son, my uh, senior year of high school. I got pregnant my junior year. Um, and when I teach, I don't teach just about, you know, life in general, but like some of the girls, like the athletes I coach, like choosing the correct path because I think a lot of us don't have that role model. You know, not all of us have the best parent lifestyle where, where we get taught that. And I didn't get taught that. So I really tried to, to go into teaching being that person I didn't have. Like I don't have the, the normal conversations with my students. Like I give it to them real. Like I let them know this world is not, it's not all hourglass for you. It, it'll shake some things up. Glass thrown. And I, I think we skip that. And especially for black and brown, we're, we're born to fail in mm. this world. We're born not to succeed. And a lot of my kids, I, I tell them that like the road that's supposed to be paid for us is not the road that you should go down. It's not the road that we have to go down. You know, we can pave our own way. And I see it from both sides. You know, I see it from you choosing the life and also you having no choice. In That's life. What so what I'm hearing is that you don't want to see the kiddos that are in front of you basically not have the opportunity. You want them to have opportunities that you necessarily didn't have. So that right. teacher who was getting to know them, that teacher who was going to be honest with them and say, hey, here's X, Y, Z. Here are the, the results of if you take this sort of action. Whereas you could take the opposite as well or a different one. And so you're trying to, to present to them something that they that you necessarily weren't presented when you were younger. Yeah. And I don't think at times they're presented with it either. Like mm. you know, there's only a few paths you could take, you know, you, you have to go down this one, you know, and it, it's not always that option, but then I think some teachers and some just people in general don't understand that some kids don't have a choice. Like it's either gang life or no life. Like, mm. You have to make a decision at a very young age and them growing up around the fast life, like they think it's just the choice, the only choice. And if we don't set them up, giving them other options, um, not pushing them, but giving them other options, like, look, here's this person who, who grew up this way and look where they're at now. They, they won't see the other side. Right, right. Now you've been, you said you've been as a teacher for five years. Um, what has been, if there was something that you're like, all right, this is year five for me. If I had known this in year one, it would have been really, really great. Is there something that you could tell your younger self that you would, 
because we know that, hey, if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. But if there's one or two things that you could have told your younger self, what would the, what would that be? The biggest thing for me is not bringing your work home. Like, I feel like the only reason why I'm not a burnt out teacher is because I set clear boundaries, okay. very, clear, very specific. If it does not get done during my work hours, it's not going to get done. It'll get done tomorrow. I'll prioritize at the top of my to-do list, but I will not take it home because not only are my students my priority, but if I'm not 100%, I can't give them 100%. And they, they need that. They deserve that. And my family deserves 100% as well. And teachers, I don't know if you know this, there are a big divorce rate is teachers. Um, no, I'm not raising three kids by myself. Like power to the single woman, but that is not, I'm not built for that. God did not build me for that. So I, I set very clear boundaries after my second year. That was my new year's resolution. And I started with like leaving my backpack in my car and just not taking, like I started very little steps because it was hard for me. Like my kids need everything at, at school, but I also have kids at home and I have a husband at home and I have yeah. me to prioritize. So I started with small steps like that. And I think as a first year teacher, I think people need to know that it doesn't all have to get done. It doesn't. Yeah. A hundred percent. And recognizing that 80% is okay. 80% yeah. is great. If you're able to, like you said, you have that list. So you're organized enough to know like, hey, I need to do A, B, C, D. If you're able to take care of A, B, and C, and like you said, I'm going to push D till tomorrow, then that's that's great. And it's for you to be able to start to set those boundaries in year two is fantastic. Was it something that you recognize or was it sort of a mentor or someone who's like, hey, Miss Carrington, you should do this. Make sure that you don't take this home. Or was that something on yourself? I think that was something mental that I really, because I struggle with my, my own mental health from mm -hmm. being in the military, that for me, I was like, whoa, time out. Something's not right. And I realized like I was getting angry too fast. Like mm -hmm. I was really not liking my job. And it was crazy because I love my kids. I go to their games. I talk to their parents 24 seven. Like I'm the teacher who gives out my personal cell phone number. Like I call me anytime. Like that's me. And I felt like I was on this blurred line of not being happy, but just kind of faking it till I make, made it. And it, hmm. it wasn't fair to my kids and it wasn't fair to, to me. So I was like, nope we're not bringing home work no more. Like if it doesn't get done, either they'll realize that they need more people or it just won't be done. Like you're not going to fire me because I didn't get something done. Y'all need me more than I need you. Keep that. Yeah. Keep that mentality. It is yeah. true because at any moment, the moment that you're gone and that you choose to leave or they choose to let go of you, they're going to look to find someone else. And right. in that mental no. health that you mentioned about the, the well being of you, that that's, you shouldn't sacrifice that for anyone. So I agree with you 100%. That's dope. That's dope. Knowing that it's been five years, what has brought you joy? What keeps you in this this line of work? Because like you mentioned, folks are dipping out left and right for whatever their reasons. It could be personal. It could be professional, whatever the reason is, but you're still in it. What's keeping you joyful while you're doing this work? And I don't think I'll ever quit. Um, like... I hear teachers say they'll retire. I don't know if I'll ever retire, but that's a long time. I'm already retired from the military. That's one retirement <laughs> on my belt. It's boring. But um, what keeps me joy is just seeing my kids 
like grow, like seeing them go from like, say a self-contained unit to being mainstream and thriving and being on like the varsity basketball team where this kid would get into 20 fights a day, not too long ago. Like, I think what brings me joy is them being like Miss Carrington, like you made a difference. And I think what teachers look at so hard right now is, oh, they're not listening to me right now. They're, they're acting up in my class right now. Like I was that child, but I had a teacher plant a seed and eventually years down the road, that seed grew and it made me the person I am today. Like what you're doing now, always giving them a fresh start. Like it, it works. It may not work right now, but as they grow it, it works and they look back on it. And that's what brings me the most joy is, is sharing it with my students, uh, supporting them and them seeing that like them throwing a chair in my classroom does not affect me one bit because I know two years down the line, no chairs throwing. Like I know that there's progress. I see potential in every kid regardless of what they do. That is, that's awesome. And I think, are have you been at your current school long enough so that like, you know, the kiddos who are coming up to you? So, no, I actually left mid-year at a campus I started at, um, and I went to a new school. And let me tell you, the school I'm at, although I'm not allowed to say where, I absolutely love it. Like, that's, that's good. I've never been in a campus where I'm like, okay, our morals are in line. Like, y'all support African-American students. Y'all want to go above and beyond for the students that are kind of, like, undercover, you know, that no one really notices. Like, yeah you have admin asking you like, Hey, give me an idea of how we can incorporate this into like, I know you're strong about it. Like how to incorporate this or even just being, letting me have my voice on TikTok and letting me um, be me. Like I felt seen and heard and I, I am thriving. So I tell people like teaching may, may not be for you, but it also may not be the right school. Like you have to find the right school that fits you, fits how you feel, fit everybody cares about kids. Like I, I learned that in my, like getting my um, master's degree that I'm in right now. Um, I watched like a video on principals and something that stuck with me was this principal was saying that he interviews people and he's very real about what he expects, what he wants. And he's very real about, I don't care about what your degree is. I don't care if you know how to teach. I can't teach you how to love kids. I can teach you how to teach. I can't teach you how to care about kids. And that's something that stuck with me because working the different schools I have, that's very real. Like when I become principal, I don't want to just get someone because they have a doctorate's degree. Like, no, do, can you love every kid? I mean, every color, every ethnicity, every, whatever they may be, LGBTQ, whatever it may be, can you care for them all? If they throw a desk in your classroom the next day, can you say, hey, good morning, Timmy? Like, can you do that? And if not, like teaching, to me, teaching's not for you. Uh, whoever's listening, I'm hoping you're hearing certain gems that Miss Carrington is dropping because she's, she's dropping them. Number one, just because you're out of school, that school may not be the place that you're going to thrive. And I love that she said thrive, not just survive, but thrive. To be somewhere where you are seen, where you are lauded and your strengths are amplified, 
so that you can be you 100% because when you are that, then your kiddos get the best teacher possible. Number two, if you happen to not be somewhere where you are thriving, it is okay to leave. If that's mid-year, it is okay to leave. And for the kiddos to know like, hey, kiddos, it's not about you because the kiddos are the kiddos. We recognize, I've said to my kids, like, kids, your your planets, you're going to have, you're going to be moving. One day you might be Mars, super hot. One day you might be Saturn with all those rings, bling, bling, doing fantastic things. As the teacher, I've got to be the sun. <laughs> like you should, you should know and be able to expect what I'm going to be. I shouldn't be switching up on you from left to right to left to right day after day. But you as a kiddo, you can fluctuate. That's you're a kid, you're growing. So if you're a teacher, recognize that you want to, you want an admin from what I've heard where you are right now, an admin who's going to support you and say to you, like, look, certain things you might be deficient on, but we can work that. But then the area of like, is your heart in the right spot? That's something that you either have or you don't. And that's, and then you'll go from there. So Ms. Carrington, look, I hope, I hope they're picking up what you're throwing down because you're putting it down correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Teach, teaching yeah. is it's difficult and and it's a hard job, but it, you know it can be done. And yeah. and it's kids. And right now, I feel like we're kind of jumping past like everyone's quitting because of behavior. Or kids not taking accountability. I watched a TikTok about someone saying, you know, it's kids just having no motivation to do work. No, like we're talking about kids who went through a pandemic, who went through so many school shootings, who just are kind of like screw life, like. Even as an adult, like when I ever want to get on to my kids, I try to look at myself as an adult. Do I act like that? Like when I'm mad, do do I not? I don't, of course, I don't throw something, but do I leave the room and, and take a walk and get my life together? Yes, I do. So if that student needs to do that, why am I causing a scene? I don't, and, I also, and I also think you as the adult, if that's happening, hopefully you've built a relationship or you're in the process of building a relationship with that kiddo to be able to see like, this isn't the only thing the kiddo does. The kiddo doesn't only throw a desk. And if the kiddo is throwing a desk or a chair, and I want to make this super clear to anyone who's listening, we are not advocating or saying that it's okay to be throwing things at anyone or however, there's a reason why said kid is doing what they're doing. If we can get to the root of that, Yes. If we can, we can suss that out. We can understand that there's a nuance to that. Then we would understand like, all right, like you mentioned, our kiddos are still going through a pandemic. The pandemic's not done. COVID is still here. There's, there are individuals who are still dealing with long, right. long-term COVID. So if that's your mom or if that's your dad or if that's your caregiver and you're witnessing this, that's having an effect on you. And like you mentioned, us as an yeah. adult, yeah, I can... I, I'm old enough to be able to regulate myself and know like, yeah, I need to walk. I need to go play some ball. I need to go lift some weights, go to the gym to work it out. If right. I'm a 10, 12, 13-year-old kid, I don't have those tools yet. Hopefully my teacher will help me right. <laughs> to develop those tools and we can we can get there. You're right. absolutely and right. Even if it's like, like a lot of people are like, it's a learned behavior or something they learned at home, like time out. But learned behavior can also, we have to make a replacement behavior. Like, that's our job. Like, I hate that a lot of people want to be, our job is to teach curriculum. For me, when I tell people I'm a teacher, it's not just about the curriculum the state gives me to teach. That is not my job. Yeah. I'm there to teach. That's all things to me. That That's teaching about self-advocacy. 
teaching about bills and how to plan a vacation, teaching about real stuff that, that they're going to encounter. Yeah, they have to pass the history test or whatever it may be, but they also have to pass life. Yeah. And and they need to know important things that that we didn't learn as kids. Like, I didn't know how to write a check. I, I didn't know that on a credit card when I slide it, I had to pay that money back. Like, they don't know that. They think yeah. it's a green card <laughs> to just keep going. Yep. Like, no. <laughs> They, they need to be taught this. And that's our job as teachers is to teach. And I know that people's favorite word is we're teachers and not parents. And I think that it takes a village to raise a kid. And I feel like you're we are part of that village. They're with us more than a thousand hours a year. They're, they're with us. And it's important that we help those parents. And for some kids who don't have the best, you know, privileged household, the two parent household, both working one job and making great money and are at every kid's game. I love that, but I didn't, I didn't have that growing up. And there's kids out there that they don't have it. You know, I have kids that are in group homes that they have no parents, just have faculty, you know, staff members in and out. They, They don't have that. So there's these things that they pick up at home that may not be acceptable, but it's acceptable in their household. Mm-hmm. So we have to kind of teach them when it's right and, and when it's not right. Like right now, the big thing is, you know, the N-word in the classroom and why certain people can't say it and why these people can't say it. And I was on TikTok because, you know, it happened in my son's classroom. Hmm. And I was very, I was very livid and I was very um, in a blurred space. Like people are upset that I sent my husband in, instead of me going. And um that just brings us to the point that as educators, we're we're in a very difficult spot. We we can't go up to the school acting a fool. We we can't post or have a life, as people like to say, um, when you're an educator. Um, that's something I also think that needs to be turned down. Um, we we have a life, you know. We we have kids. Um, just just so much that's going on in the teacher world. There's so much that's that's over us that, that no one's really paying attention to. We're supposed to teach this and kids are supposed to sit and behave a whole 50 minute class or 90 minute class. And that's how it's supposed to be. If, if you're, if you are a teacher, um, yeah, these are things that will, you'll, you'll learn. Uh, You'll definitely learn with those 50 minutes what you need to do in order to ensure that the kiddos are engaged with whatever lesson. It cannot yeah. be you as the teachers, the stage on the stage, and like you just, it's got to be student centered where they mm-hmm. are doing the heavy lifting, but that's going to take work on your part to be able to yeah. make sure that you're asking questions, make sure that the activities or the lesson is engaging, that the kids are part of it and not. Yeah. disengage but all of that will come as you mentioned with if it's not something that you naturally are able to do you should hopefully will then have an admin or a team that'll help you or veteran teachers that you'll be able to like right. hey let me go watch how this is done why and then be able to ask questions or answer questions of like why did yeah. you do this in this you saw timmy doing whatever but you didn't seem to like directly address it you, you decided to walk over and be close to Timmy instead of like calling Timmy out. And then once, so that all these things that these teacher moves that as a veteran teacher, you know, to do, if I'm a new teacher, if you don't explain it to me, at least the way that I learn is like, I need explicit, like, why did you do this? Why did you not do that? So yeah, all those things will, will come to you with time, but yeah, we are presented. If you're just looking at the, 
the TikTok or the IG or the Pinterest, it all looks beautiful. And it's like, you, it can look beautiful, but if you're not teaching the kiddos, or if the kiddos are not engaged, then all that stuff is like, I would compare that to like the icing on the cake and not the cake itself. Yeah. Like you really, you really got to work. You got to beat some eggs, <laughs> really make sure that you're ready to, to, to teach well, because if you only care about the icing, then yeah, you'll see after a month or so, you'll be burnt out. <laughs> real talk. Yeah. By October, it's going to be like, Oh snap. October hits and you're like, Oh, this is the real, real like, all right. right. Yeah. For sure. Nope. And You've mentioned a couple, and like I've said to anyone who's listening out in the community, if you're listening to this, there have been a couple of gems that have been dropped. One of the things that I heard you say was how the things that you are looking to instill in your kids may not have necessarily been the things that you had while when you were their age. So is there anything that you have picked up, whether it be a book or something that others could, that you would say to them, like, hey, I would highly recommend checking this out or reading this or checking this out so that they too can start on that path, if you will, of like, let me build, let me get a couple of tools in my toolbox so that I can say in five years, because for most teachers who, who choose to leave, it's within years two to five that they choose to go. Is there a book that you would recommend to folks? So I'm, your girl's not a big reader, guys. Okay. Okay. I, I do not read, but... But I am a movie watcher. Okay. And I love movies. And one of my favorite movies, and I honestly show it to my kids every every year, um, is uh, the movie Freedom Riders. Um, I think that movie is so powerful. It's it's so diverse. Um, and I think it teaches teachers that you don't have to push. You you teach and you let them know that your door is always open, and that does enough itself. Um, and I think a lot of people don't understand that. I think um, there's a lot of power struggles in the classroom. You know, when you graduate as a teacher, it's my classroom, my rules. Mm -hmm. I think it shows how important relationship building is, how important it is to set rules and boundaries, and how important it is to leave your door open for those conversations. Um, I think it's extremely important as a teacher to to build relationships but I think it's also extremely important to know when you build that relationship, it doesn't automatically mean you have an open door for them to act right in your class either. Um, it, it opens your door for you to be able to help them set boundaries. You set boundaries and you keep that flowing of information and teaching on, on how to build them up as a person. So what I'm hearing is the, the principles within the movie are yeah. the ones that you like, Hey, these are certain things that you should keep in mind if you are a new teacher in terms of like how to build those relationships with kiddos so that when things happen, you have something, you, you are in the process of building and it's not just, um, hey, I said this because like you mentioned, this is my classroom and what I say goes. Yeah, and I think it just okay. shows you that not everyone comes from a privileged household. Mm -hmm. I think it shows you the difference because I feel like when people go through teaching school, like I have a lot of friends who went through teaching school and they never really talked on topics of Timmy throwing a chair or Timmy being from a drug house and coming with like a pack of weed. Like, I don't think those are conversations when you're getting your teaching degree. Hmm. It's about kids who, who listen and kids who sit there and, you know, you give them an assignment and they do the assignment. Yeah. Like, that's not the reality of a classroom that like not everyone grew up in this house. So I think it shows that this is what some kids see. Mm. Like not everyone is 
and light, you know, that, that everyone comes from, like I tell people all the time, everyone has a different fingerprint and it's not just our fingerprint. It is our DNA. It's where we come from. It's where we're raised and everybody is raised differently. Everyone goes through different things. So we can't walk in the classroom and expecting everyone to be this, this thing our professor told us about, because it's not like that. You, you are not the first teacher that I've spoken to that stated that what was taught in when they were getting the certification or going through a higher, higher ed in order to become a teacher and the realities of once they got into a classroom are not the same. That a lot of that was the no. ideal, like, hey, perfect situation. You say X, kiddo replies, they raise their hand, no one's calling out, all the, the best case situations. And there needs to be more preparation I'm hearing um, I'm like, look, when it's not the best, this is what you ought to do. This is what you ought to do. This is what you can attempt to do because we recognize, like you mentioned with the fingerprint, everyone's different. Therefore, it's not you're not going to be able to use the same exact yeah. um, methods, if you will, for every single kiddo. However, the principal is still going to be there like, hey, have you spoken to so-and-so? <laughs> do you yeah. know... So do you only see so-and-so in this negative light or do you see the positive that they possess because everyone has some quality or something that they do well? Have you said that out loud to them? Right. We as human beings, I was reading that we have this negative tendency of like, for every negative comment we hear, we need to hear at least six before in order for it to outweigh that negative. So I can tell you, hey, Timmy, good job. But the moment I'm like, nay, you shouldn't have done that or you called out, then it's like, all right, let me make sure that one or two other comments are positive and it's not just negative, 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 negative. So things like that for folks to keep in mind. For sure. And I think that the test like itself, like, I don't know how many people have taken an education test, but when I took my test, like I knew for a fact I had to base it off of, you know, a perfect world scenario, but like, can we make these tests the reality? Because no, if I call Timmy's mom in my world, Timmy's mom is going to tell me, Miss Carrington, you lucky he is at school. She is not going to be like, okay, let me give Timmy some consequences at home. You keep doing what you're doing. Like, not every parent is like that. Like, I think if the test and the schooling was more realistic, I think if there was more like not student teaching where they're just in their classroom on their cell phone, like, I mean, real rigorous, like put them in a, a title one, put them in a, a, a school where it's a revolving teacher door, put them in schools where they're like, okay. I could do this. It should be like basic training, but for teachers. Like you got to be prepared to go in there. I, I'm I'm smiling because I'm agreeing with you in that choosing if you are going to be in a Title One school, you need to understand what it is that you're walking into. You need right. to have the mentality that this is not some sort of you shouldn't have like the savior complex of like, I'm coming in to save these kids, kids you're not. That's no. not your role as a teacher. However, no. to be cult- culturally responsive of knowing like, all right, if I do this, the the outcome or the response is going to be generally this. No, to be for aware sure. of that. To know that, you know, certain things that you hear or you see, to understand the culture as to why that's being done or said, to then be able to respond in such a way that, shows the, the kiddo like, hey, I understand why you're doing that. However, context, yeah, that may not be appropriate or that isn't appropriate. And instead, here's how you should do it instead. Those tools that we mentioned, 
So but I think when the, letting yeah. them know how ruthless, like yep. if you're teaching middle school through high school, if you are not resilient yourself, that is not for you because right. these kids are ruthless. They will clown you on what you wear, what you look like. The girls <sighs> come if you can't handle that, it's not for you. And I and I think that to me. I teach middle school. So when you say ruthless, I'm just like, that is all middle school kiddos. Like oh, not just kiddos who are in title one. That is from your affluent all the way down. Like those are the kiddos because developmentally they're looking to see like, yo, where's the line? Therefore right. they're going to cross the line and you as the adult need to then know, okay, as the adult, I understand why Timmy, Jamal, James, whomever, or Sally, Susan, Shaniqua, why they're saying what they're saying. And I cannot and should not take that personally. Like, right. that's not me. It's you as the adult, the authority figure. That's why they're looking to see like, hey, where's the line? And if you don't understand, like, oh, we want to talk about my J's, bet, understand that this is why, like, you, then you need to know how to dance. <laughs> Do that dance of like, oh, you think you're clowning me? Nah, nah. <laughs> to like what you mentioned in terms of freedom writer if you're like going and thinking you have the savior complex like no you shouldn't do that you shouldn't say this and not understand culturally why that's being done then you're gonna miss ah oh, you're gonna miss that so i don't i don't see that as ruthless i'm just like i was a, i was in middle school i know i'm old but i i was in middle school too if you want some i can give it to you <laughs> so all of, all of that all of that yeah Tell them, Miss Carrington. Tell them. <laughs> they don't. They don't get it. <laughs> if if we're gonna talk about music, because this is one of the things that I love to ask my guests too, is just that of music. Of like, if you were to create a playlist, you could put five artists, five albums, five songs. What would be what would be on your playlist? I'm I'm a big Chris Breezy fan. Okay. Through and through. Um, I am a diehard Rihanna fan. So those okay. are. Top two that'll be in my playlist. I go hard for Kevin Gates. J. Cole, phenomenal. Phenomenal. And and my fifth one, I would really have to give it to the best rapper alive, and that would be Lil Wayne. Okay. But you heard it here, folks. You heard it here. I mean, she dropped gems. I hope you picked them up. She gave you the culturally responsive teaching. I hope you picked that up. She gave you J. Cole. She gave you um, Gates. She gave you Chris Brown, Rihanna. Who was the fifth one? I missed out. And Chris Brown, Rihanna. Drake, Chris Brown, Drake, Rihanna. And Wayne. Wayne. Folks, I don't know. I don't know what else you want, but you got it all in this conversation here. I hope this podcast holds you over because there were quite a number of gems that Miss Carrington dropped out to you. 
Mrs. Carrington, thank you so much for coming through to being on the podcast. I'm hoping that in the future we can get you back because it seems like this episode was not sufficient enough because there were a lot of things that you talked about. Yes, um, but, no, for sure. But rep- but uh, making sure that we, uh, as you mentioned, those boundaries, we want to keep it because I also know that the teachers in the community have mentioned like, hey, we would love to be able to sit down and listen to a podcast for two hours, one hour, 45 minutes, heck, but we don't got time like that. So we wanted to say to anyone who's listening, one of the things that was dropped today was like, understand the type of school that you are going into. You don't just have to survive there. You can thrive. You ought to be thriving there. And that's going to come from the admin supporting you and allowing them to allowing you to be who you are authentically 100%. And then two, as always, music is such a big part. We had a great playlist there. We'll make sure that we post that along with this episode. So I am Mr. Pierre. She is Miss Carrington. And this has been another episode of The Chronicles of Mr. Thanks so much. And we're out.